This is again R.J. Rushduni, Easy Chair number 418, September 23rd, 1998. I forgot to tell you of some of the details of this mansion. All the rooms were paneled with cherry wood so that uh, no expense had been spared in the construction of that mansion. And yet the zoning law required it to be a single-family mansion. I wonder what has happened to it since. Well, at any rate, it was discouraging because I saw several things that were not quite as remarkable as that, but were possible. And yet every one of them was uh, so controlled by some planning committee and its regulations, there was no future there. Can you imagine any family having a home with 23 bedrooms. They would have been excellent classrooms, excellent for a dormitory, but no, the stipulation was otherwise. I've often thought about that place. It was quite a remarkable building. Well, I was discouraged for a while after that, and then Dorothy spotted uh, in the Sunday Examiner real estate section an ad for the place we have at present. We came here, and ultimately we bought it, and now we have our school and uh, our uh, center with its offices and a couple of warehouses on the property. The Lord willing, one of these days, if the funds are available, we will build a library and create a study center. Now, in the process of all this, of course, I was doing a great deal of writing. And the goal of the writing was to present a full-orbed view of what Christian Reconstruction involved. I wanted it to be seen from the level of the family, the church, the state, all of life. And I have so written. The third volume of Institutes is being typeset at present and should be out before the end of this year. I have much more that if the Lord grants the time, I want to do by way of addition. Certainly the family is an important part of Christian Reconstruction a major tool, and I need to write on that. Now, over the years we have held a number of conferences. Early on in Southern California, with the cooperation of Walter Knott and his center there in Orange County, we had dinners and uh, conferences of uh, one or two days to promote Christian education. And at one time I could uh, list a considerable number of schools that were started in various parts of the West as a result of our seminars. I also spoke on the subject across country. I did a great deal of traveling in order to promote Reconstruction 
and Christian education. And, and both, I felt that we did succeed quite ably. Well, to return to the central purpose of Chalcedon, Reconstruction. I ran into hostilities immediately. The word has become a red flag to many, and in various parts of the world, I'm told by friends as they write to me, they are working hard to apply our thinking without using the word reconstruction or chalcedon for fear it will automatically turn off people. And as someone uh, wrote to me recently, he found intense hostility in his particular country on the part of uh, Christian leaders and yet not a one of them had read a single thing about Reconstruction written by us. It was just uh, a hostility, a bigotry on their part. Well, this is the problem we face, but uh, it isn't overwhelming because God is greater and more effectual than any of our enemies can ever be. We continue to grow. We have our problems, as currently a letter that just went into the mails makes clear. We've had quite a summer slump insofar as income is concerned. So unless the giving improves, we'll end the year in a bad way. But I trust that the response will be a good one and we will end the year well into the black. But we need to do more. We need to grow. We need to have more men working, uh, doing some research on various areas of study and thought and how the Word of God applies to them, because we've just scratched the surface, and so much more needs to be done. The church and every area of life, and certainly no less the state, needs to be reorganized in terms of the whole Word of God. I have been uh, for some time preaching in uh, 1 Corinthians, and I'm beginning this coming Sunday on 2 Corinthians. Now, Corinthians is very interesting. It's a book, or two books, in which Paul deals with the fact that uh, here is the world, here is our faith, here is the task that confronts us. That uh, what we have to offer is not a, a donum super auditum, something added to a beautiful ice cream sundae, a cherry on the top, as it were, but the essence in terms of which everything else has to be remade and viewed afresh. As I pointed out in the tapes on uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul is emphatic there that the resur resurrection has vast implications for all of life, for all of creation. That is much more than uh, the fact that we rise again from the dead 
in the flesh. It tells us something about the nature of the future as God has ordained it and as it will be in Christ, that the resurrection is the pattern in terms of which all things shall be made new. And therefore, we cannot believe what we did before we became a Christian with Christ added and a belief in the resurrection added. No. We are totally remade, recreated, redirected by our faith so that uh, we see all that God has in store. Now, this means that a great deal of writing has to be done about every area of life and thought, church and state, the family, and uh, the sciences, the arts, much, much more. This has barely been touched as of yet. There are men out there, I'm sure, who are very capable of doing a great deal here. We need to be able to enlist their support for this cause and their labors on its behalf. Now, are there any questions you want to ask? Yes. Rush, can you give us a little of the history of the Council of Chalcedon and how you came to choose that as the name for the foundation? The history of the Council of Chalcedon and its relationship to the foundation. A great deal. Because the Council of Chalcedon faced a major problem. It was confronted by a world that was hostile to Christ. And when it became ostensibly converted, it wanted, like the Corinthians, to take the world as they knew it and add Christ to it. So that uh, Christ was just a, a bonus. But the doctrine of the resurrection required that everything be seen in terms of a perspective of God. That God's goal was the resurrection of everything. All things made new new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, justice. It was therefore a faith that, well, we might say, calls for a total revolution, turning upside down everything to bring into practice the Christian faith to apply it to all things. Now, this has not really been done. And this is what we must start doing. When you consider that uh, the doctrine of the resurrection requires us to see the world not as it is with something added to it. Me, living as I have been, but now I don't have to worry about dying because I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. It's far more than that. And it is here that the uh, Rethinking is required. For example, when you look at the life of man, it makes all the difference if that man sees himself 
in humanistic terms, but with life after death added. Or if he sees himself as recreated in Christ for a particularly glorious destiny, that uh, his life has implications which he can barely comprehend even if he thinks Christianly to the nth degree. Now, it's hard to go into this except very specifically, and I don't have the time to do that with one area of thought after another. Have you ever communicated with any of the people that have uh, uh, protested uh, your theological views to find out if they've read, uh, there must be some of them that have read some of your works, and if they have any specific objections? Well, those uh, who have read them are not very honest about their objections. If you read Hal Lindsey, for example, he takes a passage, leaves out a great many words to make me say that we believe in salvation by works which is exactly the opposite of what I said in the original. He was nailed in that lie by Steve Schlissel, but it hasn't made an iota of difference to anything he writes or says. So it's hard to deal with criticism of that sort. So the vast majority of criticism has been dishonest or non-objective? Yes, yes. It has been by people who are unwilling to change. I like the statement of one pastor who said, very frankly, if what you uh, are teaching is true, then you have vastly increased the responsibilities of the church and the ministry to an impossible degree. Well, he was honest. He saw that it was going to increase the work to more than preparing a sermon for Sunday. And I know that uh, in the early years, I would have people stand up and protest, uh, interrupting my uh, talk because I was saying that the church should get involved in Christian education and the Christian school movement. To them, that was going to prevent the church from doing its duty in saving souls. So uh, the criticisms have been uh, very trifling. How about in uh, other areas of the world? Has this criticism uh, been pretty much the same worldwide, or is it just specific to the United States? Pretty much the same. It has uh, also been very strong on the part of many for political reasons. They attack me as a right-wing extremist. They are afraid of the kind of society that will be created. As a result, they want no part of Reconstruction because they see it as undermining their perspective, whether it be conservative or liberal. These are economic conservatives 
who are social liberals, and there are many of them. That's one reason why the conservative movement is not more effective. It uh, stands on mixed premises. Not all, but uh, too many do. Are they willing, are any of them willing to acknowledge that uh, politics uh, has led to a bad result? Oh yes, but they have their limited reasons as to why this has happened. It's been because they have abandoned this or that uh, economic policy, because they've turned to the left. Well, it would seem we've had enough experience now through recorded history, we must have tried every economic experiment possible. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not working. No, it isn't. And the failure is becoming more and more pronounced. Right now, we're in a time of crisis, and yet the serious thinking about the alternatives is not there. In fact, we are regularly assured that all is well, that the economy is faltering only temporarily. This in spite of the fact that last year in this we are seeing a record number of personal bankruptcies. That should alert people to the fact that a problem exists. Well, there's also a great number of very nervous international bankers right now. Yes. It's a house of cards. Very definitely. Well, politics hasn't been a, a very good uh, uh, well, method for solving the world's problems because uh, in, in every case, every virtually everything that's been tried, even uh, the experiment in this country, has devolved uh, to either anarchy or close to it. We have looked to politics for our salvation, and it has not worked. I mean, there's no country in the world that's immune to it. I don't care what their system is or what yes. their, uh, you know, what kind of political system they've tried. Uh, they've all failed. Yes. There isn't a single empire left standing. No, and they were seemingly so solid. Well, they thought they were. Yes. But they were obviously uh, were deluding themselves, yes. and, and people in this country are deluding themselves. Uh, they're unwilling to recognize the the uh, decay uh, or the the moral decay as being the root of the problems in this in this mm -hmm. culture. Well. In my lifetime, the changes have been enormous. When I was a child and a young man, the saying was, the sun never sets on the British flag. You looked at a map and most of the globe was colored uh, to indicate it was a British possession. Now, their possessions are a small handful. Supposedly, the empire has been replaced by the British Commonwealth of Nations. But uh, it is questionable how solid that Commonwealth is. It seems to be more a case in which the uh, Commonwealth members are free to exploit Britain, but there's no reciprocity. They can uh, and have poured immigrants into Britain, but Britain cannot do the same to them. So it's hardly a situation of uh, equality. Dad, a few years ago, 
mostly towards the end of the Carter administration, you were spending a tremendous amount of your time as a court witness yes. in, in the Christian school trials when there was a concerted effort in many states to bring Christian schools under controls and, and really to eliminate homeschooling. How did that come about that you were suddenly called to so many trials in such short order? And could you tell us something about those trials? Well, my writings in the field, although not publicly acknowledged, apparently were fairly well known. And because of them, I was called to these trials. I don't recall how many. There were a considerable number. And they were from the latter 70s almost to the mid-80s. Then, by and large, the trials gave way to legislative efforts, and uh, they may resume again, as you told me, uh, Attorney Shelby Sharp and a Texas uh, official or lawyer are coming out here to uh, have a special, uh, what do they call it? Deposition. Deposition with me. And since I haven't been well, they offered to come to the house instead of a meeting at the airport hotel. So they're not entirely dead. They may be revived. But by and large, they were a failure. The Christian school movement has grown dramatically. The homeschool movement has grown perhaps even more dramatically. For example, What's the name of the uh, Lindquist? Christian Liberty Academy. Christian Liberty Academy and his schools. Let's turn off. There are over 30,000 of them. It was not uh, uncommon 10 years ago for a state convention of homeschoolers to meet with about 20, 30 people present. Now there were three that I spoke to last year in California, and the largest of these was 10,000, the smallest a couple thousand. So obviously the movement is Uh, growing very rapidly and uh, this sort of thing will only proliferate. When you were going to uh, being an expert witness in the trials, were they mostly for Christian schools or were they uh, Christian parents who were being persecuted? I was a witness for Christian schools, for homeschoolers, families or groups, and also for churches in some instances. Mm. The trials varied in numbers. They were quite uh, predominant in some parts of the country. The South had a number of them. The battle was a bitter one there. California, very few, Mm -hmm. because we had Uh, a very uh, protective uh, legal background created by the Catholic inheritance from the Spanish era Mm -hmm. that uh, the California law provides. New England was an area of considerable trouble and the Midwest. In fact, the trials began in Ohio Mm -hmm and very quickly spread from there across 
the different parts of the country. It was sad to see that in many areas, because the church background was one of being favorable to the state, the schools had more problems. It was harder to find uh, interested lawyers and uh, sympathetic judges. What kind of hostility did you run into from the judiciary? The judiciary seemed to believe that uh, the state has the right to control every area of life and thought. I know that one uh, dean of a law school who had become Attorney General of the United States was in the White House residing in a meeting where we were dealing with these issues and he called himself and still does a conservative. And he turned to us, it was around a table in this White House conference room, and said, uh, this was in Reagan's day, we believe we have the right to control your churches and schools, but we don't choose to exercise that right. Now that was the way he felt. Is that Ed Meese? Yes. He felt he was being very generous and uh, conceding that uh, they thought we should have some leeway. What do you see uh, looking into the future? Where do you think the areas of persecution and perhaps uh, litigation will come for Christians in the next few years? That's a question I've thought about. Where will it come from? Well, it can very well come from uh, the UN level, forcing various control uh, treaties upon the schools as the US adopts them. It could come from the states or the federal government. There's no question that many people feel that uh, nothing uh, is properly uh, governed unless the state controls it. As a result, their uh, earnest feeling is uh, there's going to be trouble here if we don't get state controls in. You're always saying that on the local news. I've, I've noticed it more here than I did back home, but the newscasters are always saying things like, well, this is a problem because there's no federal regulation, like with vitamin and nutritional supplements, and I've heard it with several other different things, you know, well, what we need, the government is, fa is failing to do its job of regulating this particular aspect of our life. Yes, and now increasingly, more and more look to uh, the UN mm -hmm. that we have to have control from the top and that's the top in their eyes. Mm -hmm. So it's a very grim uh, prospect. It's going to take a great deal of uh, courage, faith and knowledge on the part of Christians to stand against this coming assault. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing in uh, reading something when Russia became, when Russia fell, was no longer a communist country. And they were talking about the difficulty that the people had is that they did not know how to be free. Yes. They, had, they had not had freedom for hundreds of years. And uh, as I look at America, the one good thing is that the only people who know how to be free are the Christians, particularly the children who have been yes. raised in Christian schools and Christian homeschools. They know and understand the issue of freedom, but that is also going to make them more vulnerable to persecution in, in the coming years. Very, very true. The uh, problem today is, and this is of concern to me, because it's one that the 
men of Chalcedon in the days and years ahead are going to have to wrestle with. The state is going to declare that its law is not only a law that supersedes the law of God, but the law of God has no standing before it. The more it departs from the faith, the less willing it is to acknowledge that there can be a law of God. And of course, most of the Christians in America will hop on that bandwagon because they hate the law of God so passionately themselves. The deterioration of the Christian faith in recent years has been dramatic. It has been uh, dropped by more and more people, including church people. Mm -hmm. They never think in a Christian perspective outside the church. And in the church, the Christian perspective means uh, Christ can save your soul mm. from hell. And that's the whole point of the faith, escaping hell. Not the total reorganization of all life and thought in terms of Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, I've you and I have talked about this um, before about, uh, I was telling you how much I enjoyed Proofreading Institutes mm -hmm. Volume 3. And in that, um, you show the limits of, you. to me it was like, if I could give it a subtitle, it would be like the freedom of the law because you, mm -hmm. you talk about the law and what, it, what it's supposed to do in our lives, but you also show the very lim the limitations mm -hmm. of imposition of penal sanctions, etc., and state control or anyone else's control over various aspects of a person's life. Could you make some comments on what you were hoping to accomplish in Institutes 3? Well, in the third volume... In the third volume. In the third volume, I point out that uh, of the 500, 613 laws that God gives in the Bible according to the rabbinic count, most are not enforceable by church, state, or family, mm -hmm. only by God. Most are laws that are binding upon us, but not enforceable by us, so that it tells us that uh, you cannot have uh, a truly Christian society unless the faith is there in every individual person. That uh, otherwise you have a dictatorship, enforcement from the top down. People made to conform to something that goes against the grain, which is basically what we have today. Now, We face a crisis because fewer and fewer people are capable of enforcing a law because they don't know it. At one time, they knew the law of God. You didn't have to ask, what does the law of God say about this or that subject? They knew it. And it is surprising how much uh, biblical law entered into court cases in the United States before World War II. Go to many of the legal books and you have references to the Bible. Now, a judge threw out a decision because in his closing remarks, the uh, prosecuting attorney referred to the fact that not only did the laws of men require the death penalty for such a, an offense, but God's law is given in the Bible. That invalidated the verdict. Now this is how far we've gone in our hostility to God's law.
Oh, one of the things, to get back to a little more positive note, I mentioned that I wanted to see, and if God is so minded, perhaps I will, although how, I do not know, funding emerge to build a study center with a library where we can collect all the relevant material so it is available to our staff and to any students who choose to come and work with us briefly. Meanwhile, we will continue working on the uh, uh, computerized seminary as a simple way to reach people, but we also need the library the core, where all this material is available to our staff and to students who come to work with us. I feel very urgently about it because so much is being forgotten. So much has uh, almost disappeared. I wish at present I had the money to buy a few very rare books dealing with some of these matters, and I finally, after years, located where they can be purchased. In the one instance, I have the book in question, one copy, but I'd like one for Calcedon. Mine is very precious, and it is an old work. The other is one I have hunted for for years and never, never been able to locate. Mm. And now suddenly it has appeared somewhere. I thought it had completely disappeared because books do get destroyed. Mm. Their value is not recognized. And since uh, that is the case, they go to the city dump. You know, your research into education was very uh, God-ordained, and basically your work in, with intellectual schizophrenia and messian messianic character of American education began the work of establishing Christian schools and homeschools. It was research that has given a mighty harvest, and now Thinking in terms of that and how significant research can be and what a, what a bountiful harvest and millions of children now have received in Christian education because of your work. Looking at it from that perspective with all of these millions of wonderfully educated Christian children out, if you, if you could see, say, an area of research or a couple of areas of research that you think needs to be done to, for the next for the next movement of Christian Reconstruction, what would that be? Well, first of all, uh, I have uh, had a part to play in the Christian school movement, but uh, it has been far bigger than I. It was underway when I began my work. Certainly, I gave it a dramatic boost but the movement was bigger than I. The same is true of the homeschool movement, where I did less, but was glad to do what I could. Now, where is the place where the next uh, push has to be made? Well, you've read uh, the text Volume 3 of Institutes. I point out, uh, and it bears repeating, of the 613 laws by rabbinic count, only a very limited number are enforceable by man, either church, state, family, or any other human agency. Most are enforceable by God or by us in our lives. Well, this gives a very radical picture 
of human freedom, of how God says the future is going to be built by free men. Well, this is very different from what people choose to believe. They want to see a lot of organization and control and so on to bring about this change, this legislation and control. And that is not biblical. Well, Christian Reconstruction begins with me and with you, how we apply God's law word in our daily lives. As a result, it requires more of us than getting Congress or the state legislature to pass a law. It requires of us to live by that law and to apply it. When uh, people are ready to apply a law in their lives, the results are dramatic. Far more dramatic than if the state passed the law. There are examples of how when uh, a bad condition has prevailed in a society and individuals have begun to promote a stronger ball stand on the issue and um, clear-cut activity against it, that the matter is settled without any legislation. Because then you have the people enforcing it in their own lives. In a similar vein, is there any area you've wanted to write on? Is there what? Is there any area that you've wanted to write on that you haven't gotten around to? Oh, yes. In lots of areas, but uh, the ones I hope I can write in before my time is up are two in particular. One on the family in terms of reconstruction. The other, and I've done a little writing here also, is on Van Til's thinking and its relationship to the whole subject. How remarkable and far-reaching the implications are. I have pointed out in more than one book the implications of Antill's thinking and in dealing with Corinthians I point out that uh, Antill does what Paul did. He insists on the primacy of the resurrection. Christ is risen from the dead. This is the beginning of a new creation, the beginning of a different kind of world and a different kind of life. So our thinking is to be governed, not by the fact that, well, I'm a Christian now, I'm going to heaven, so okay, I can go around doing what I've always done, and as long as I keep my nose clean, I'm a good Christian. Not so. You're a good Christian if you begin with a premise that Christ the Lord, the Savior, is risen from the dead, and that the new creation is his goal. And we are members of that new creation with the laws of God as our law, called upon to live a radically different kind of life now that Christ is our King. For one thing, this means less and less government by the state and more and more self-government in terms 
of God's law. And that, of course, is the most effective law of all. Thus we have our work cut out for us. But it's the only thing that will work, and it begins with us. It seems like there's a countervailing uh, force when man gives up being uh, self-directed, uh, the government steps in. Yeah. And uh, there's been this constant waxing yes. and waning throughout history in virtually every culture. Yes, men want an easy way, and it's much easier to be governed than to govern. So, however much men may talk about freedom, they do like to be governed, provided it isn't uh, too offensive to their tastes. Self-government under God calls for moral standards they don't agree with, or don't like if they outwardly agree with them. And hence they prefer to duck them. They're inconvenient. Yes. I've had in the past, especially in my student days, people tell me that the trouble with God's law is that uh, it exercises such a total control over one. And I said, all right, tell me what that total control, what that oppressive government is. Well, it, it starts off easy, but devastating, because they immediately start reciting this laws governing sex in the Bible. This is where they don't want to be governed. After they have uh, finished reciting those laws, and I say, go on. Where else does God control you? Well, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Good, good. But what else? And they're stopped because the total number of laws whereby we are governed under God is limited. The basic law is the self-government of the Christian man. And their hostility is always based on that uh, premise. I want sexual freedom. Therefore, God is over-governing when he tells me this is the way I should go. Well, our time is about up. Thank you all for listening. And uh, if you have any questions you want us to discuss, please do send them in. I promise I won't be as many years behind <laughs> in dealing with them as I have with this question about the origins of calcetin. I hope our presentation has been of interest to you. Thank you and God bless you.